It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. David L. Weatherford once said, When I feel truly alone, with a sense of being lost, even empty inside, it's then I realize I have unknowingly moved away from God, so I move back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. Joining me as always is Jonathan, my co-host, for more than two decades. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Jonathan, what is our topic for today's episode? How do I cope with overwhelming loneliness? Our theme text, John 16, verse 32. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. And also joining us for today's podcast is Julie. Hi, gentlemen. I'm glad we're discussing this important topic because the health risks from isolation and loneliness include depression, anxiety, heart problems, substance abuse, and more. And it's heartbreaking that kids especially are having more issues with loneliness now than ever before. Amen to that. So this is a big, big subject. So coming up in today's podcast... Loneliness shuts us down and cuts us off. As depressing as this sounds, there are awesome ways to work into breaking in this pattern. We're going to talk about them in about 15 minutes. So what if I told you there is a way to walk away from loneliness without making a spectacle of yourself? You'd want to know about that one, right? Well, find out what that is in about 30 minutes. And have you ever thought about measuring the value of your lonely feelings against other things that are important to God? We're going to walk through this exercise, and it's an important exercise, in about 45 minutes. But first, first let's get some perspective. No one wants to be lonely. It's a sad and painful state of being that daily grows more and more common. There is a major difference between being alone and being lonely. To be alone is to be without anyone to engage with, and this can be a productive place to be with the right frame of mind. On the other hand, we can be lonely in a crowded room or when we're with family and friends. We can be lonely at work, at play, or even at church. We can be lonely when we're with our spouses or when engaged in social media. Loneliness is not dictated by outward circumstances. Now, pay, pay attention. This is really important. Rather, it is driven by our interpretations of our experiences and our perceptions of our environment. To be lonely is to feel unimportant. It is to be convinced we do not belong and that we in some way are unacceptable and even unwanted. Loneliness can be overwhelming. But fortunately, there are many ways to combat it. And folks, I just want to say before we get started that we're going to give you a lot of things to think about and and to apply in terms of loneliness. For some of us, these things won't work. And what that may mean is that there are deeper issues that need to be uh, dealt with, like anxiety and depression. And listen, if you have and you suffer from anxiety or depression and things of that nature— please seek the right kind of medical help and attention. There's no shame in that. It's important. 
I personally know many people who have sought the, 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 the treatment that they needed and live wonderful lives as a result. So please, if you're in that category, do not hesitate. With that being said, let's get to our subject. God did not create us to be lonely. On the contrary, he created, created us to be family and community driven. The creation of Adam and Eve show us this basic principle. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. And Jonathan, let's do verse 18 and 20 to get started. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So it's interesting that God introduces the creation of Eve by reminding us as readers in Genesis that Adam had all of the animal kingdom there before him, but it wasn't what was needed for Adam. And so here's what God does, verses 21 through 24 of Genesis 2. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason I shall leave. She shall leave. <clears throat> Sorry. For this reason I a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So you have this initial, very beautiful picture of, of, of husband and wife. But the principle of needing humanity, humanity needs humanity, that principle is set in place irrevocably there. We need the human family. There is a special bond that was put in place here in the, in the creation account, was not only meant for spouses, but for all of humanity. As a race, we're each given each other as family, and we have always been directed to rely on that family for support, for co-laboring, for love, and for inspiration. And it's no accident that the Ten Commandments we've been studying in recent episodes are all about relationships. Yeah. The first four commandments are about our relationship with God, and the final six are about our relationship as other people. So this has been a front and center issue for thousands of years. And if you think about it, all that we're told to do and to be as Christians has to do with relationships with others. Uh, and lonely people often feel less than others. And, and that's where the disconnect happens. Everything about Scripture is about relationships, everything about Scripture. And when you're lonely, like you said, Jonathan, we feel less than others, and then we feel like we're not able to participate in that fundamental basic principle. So what do we do? Well, we're going to suggest five approaches to take when we're faced with our own loneliness, five approaches. These approaches are meant to be used altogether uh, when possible, but they are in a very specific order, and that is an order of accessibility. You'll find that the first one is the easiest one to access, and they get a little bit tougher as you go. So let's go through these five approaches, starting with the first one, living with or leaving loneliness. Julie, what's our first approach? Number one is prayer. So here's our options. We can choose to get lost within the confines of our lonely fear, or we can choose to hand that lonely fear over to our Father through Jesus. Okay. So we can choose to stay with the lonely fear or we can hand it over to God. We prefer 
to show ourselves to others. And folks, tell me if this isn't true of you, okay? We all prefer to show ourselves to others as being above the fray of the unrest in our own lives, when in fact, our loneliness can make us fearful and frayed around the edges of our own hearts. When we feel the pressure of that fray, of that difficulty, let us get down on our knees to pray. This prayer should not be the rehearsed kind that looks good and sounds sweet. Rather, it should be the kind that expresses the whole hurt of our heart, but it expresses it in faith. This prayer should reflect our dedication to God's will and a seeking for his providence to show us what our next steps should be. And if maybe we could look at this less as a fearful, unhappy time and rather more analytically, that it's a little warning light that some action needs to be taken. Loneliness could be our first sign that the quality of our relationships isn't at that optimal amount for our contentment. It's kind of like if I put oil in my car. If I'm three quarts low on oil, it's not going to run the way it was designed. And loneliness might be the indicator that we need to add more of something. Perhaps approach number one, check our relationship with God. Okay, you know, and it's interesting because oil is a picture of God's Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you're running low on oil, you're not going to work right. <laughs> so, That's right. So if your oil light is on, your, your loneliness light is on, check in with the Father first. That's the first place to start. Now, here's the thing we want to understand. Jesus understands our weaknesses. And as a result, he has opened up access to the throne of God's grace for our benefit. Let's look at Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, this is a powerful throne, if you notice, it's described here as a throne of grace. None of us are worthy, and we all miss the mark. We all sin, but we can, as the scriptures say, draw near with confidence because we go with Jesus. So the road to worthiness is reliance upon Christ, not ourselves. Yeah, and and again, I want to accentuate the idea that it's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of showing God what you can do. It's not a throne of accomplishment. It's not a throne of even direction. It's a throne of grace because we need God's grace. And every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter how hard we work, we fall short. Jesus opened that door. So this is important. Go before God because it's his grace. He wants to hear you. He wants you to tell him what's on your heart and mind. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. We're going to take this in pieces. Let's do verses 4 through 6 to get started. Rejoice in the Lord always. <clears throat> Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, when I read uh, your gentle spirit in verse 5 there, Um, when it says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men, that means that we or those that are lonely need to make an effort to get out there and show them, everyone else, their gentle spirit. And I was thinking, Jesus is the picture of courage and fortitude and truth. 
presented with gentleness. Yeah. And I like the, um, you know, that phrase jumped out at me, be anxious for nothing. You know, this sounds kind of flippant, like, well, you know, just just do it. You know, it's impossible. But we have to keep reading to see how it's possible. And it's by having that close relationship with God where we truly believe our path is being overruled, then we don't have to be anxious because God has it under control. And we have to be able to believe those things. You know, so the, the gentle spirit, I, wanna, I just want to mention that gentleness, true, real gentleness, can only come from great strength. It only, and, and that, Jonathan, your example of Jesus is, is right on the money because the idea of that true gentleness is because he had the great strength of God's will in him. The anxious for nothing is something to say, theoretically, we, we know that God's got everything in hand, but now we have to try to apply what we know theoretically. And that's why we're supposed to pray with thanksgiving because thanksgiving puts that all in perspective. So making our requests known to God can give us the following results. So now we, we've made our requests known to God with all of these, these, uh, these, um, these pieces, and now verse 7. Verse 7 is powerful, especially if we're suffering and dealing with loneliness. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and mind. And it's hard to understand the peace of God, but we need to labor to put ourselves where that can actually have an effect on us. With that peace now accessible, it becomes easier to focus our hearts on higher things. And of course, when we read Philippians 4 verse 8, it's a, it's a list of the kinds of things that we want our minds to go to. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Sometimes when we're lonely, it's hard to get to thinking about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and so forth. But the, the, the process of the earlier verses of Philippians help us step up to that. Sometimes you can't swallow the whole thing all at once, but just take small bites. Pray, and pray again, and pray again. James 5.16, and Jonathan, this is from the Weymouth translation. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be cured. The heartfelt supplication of a righteous man exerts a mighty influence. Heartfelt supplication of a righteous man. What makes somebody righteous? Jesus. Not me. Jesus makes us righteous and exerts a mighty influence. In other words, God listens. What are we going to do with that when we have that opportunity? So, Jonathan, let's wrap this up. Do I choose to live with or to leave my loneliness? How hard do I work at prayer? How seriously do I apply its advantages? Remember, prayer does not have to be pretty or formal or rehearsed to be effective. So, in dealing with our loneliness, the first place to go is to the throne of heavenly grace. Let us pray about it. Let us be honest with God about it. Nobody else has to know about this. This is between you and Jesus and the Father. And this is the greatest way to start the battle against loneliness. And let us never underestimate the power of prayer. It's always the best place to start when conquering anything. With prayer in hand, what else could we do on our own to help us send away loneliness? Well, the Bible 
is the Word of God written for our benefit. When battling loneliness, there is no better place for us to focus our minds than on the Holy Scriptures. These real-life accounts contain prophecy, inspiration, direction, and know-how. All of this adds up to a recipe for success, especially when we're dealing with our loneliness. So we've got prayer in place. This is important. It's a place to start to begin to cope with our loneliness and to be able to overcome it. So living or leaving, uh, living with or leaving our loneliness, Julie, what's our second approach after prayer? Study and meditation. So we can choose to feel desperation as we comply with our loneliness or we can choose to seek inspiration to dissolve and disengage from our loneliness. Loneliness starves when we don't feed it. <laughs> and folks, we have to realize that. We have to understand that. You want to get rid of something like it? Don't feed it. And there's, a, there's so much to be gained. We need to make choices in this. So study and meditation. In an age where distractions are easy and plentiful— we seek to lose ourselves in those, those kinds of things to get away from the pain of our own lonely existence. How do we do this? Video games, YouTube, TikTok, social media, they're all ways of hiding from our own pain. Even music can become a crutch as we walk this desperate and lonely road. Well, Rick, coming from a musical background, music can inspire and it can also crush us. Hmm. It can draw us closer to God or take us away. We need to be careful about what lyrics we listen to and the emotions they bring. Now, video games can be harmful. They can take um, up our precious time and make us live in a fantasy world versus focusing on true adventure from the heroes of the Bible. So just because something is appealing doesn't mean it is good for us that's what you're saying and especially with music you know it's so easy when you're lonely to listen to the music that just that speaks to your loneliness and julie what you just said is if you feed it it's going to grow if you don't feed it it will starve think about what am i doing am i enhancing my loneliness or am i taking something away and redirecting my 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 attention and affection away from it so instead of seeking to be distracted let's seek to be absorbed absorbed be absorbed into god's word into his promises his plan and his providence feel the reality of those who are faithful in scripture and embrace the promises of faith the scriptures offer the difference, distraction comes when what we focus on is fake and shallow, and absorption comes from focusing on that which is real, nourishing, and inspiring. Choose which way you want to go. But a lot of us think, what's really the point if I will never be good enough? And so we counteract that with Psalms 119, 105, and it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So start by going to the word of God. Pick a CQ episode on a topic that interests you or start with a person in the Bible, not including Jesus. I counted at least 60 podcasts focused on people whose stories are important to know, like David, Joseph, Peter, Martha, Gideon, Cornelius. Dive in and get to know them because many dealt with the same issues that we do, and it'll help. So the idea is choose what you feed yourself 
to decide what you'll do with your loneliness. And we're suggesting study and meditation as the place that you make those choices. And, and, and Julie, you're right. The Bible is full of examples. Even the prophet Elijah, let's just touch on one example here. Even the prophet Elijah, the mighty prophet Elijah, needed to see beyond his own lonely thoughts. Jonathan, we're going to look at a recap of that in Romans chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. See, Elijah thought that he was alone. All he needed to do was to see what God already had in place. And Elijah was so depressed and lonely that I think he was near suicidal. He did not have the ability to see beyond his own circumstances. God revealed to him that there were actually 7,000 faithful people still left. He was not alone. And we are not alone. And if we're not close to God, we might also have a hard time perceiving what support is around us. And if you're not familiar with the story or you forgot the details of it, definitely go back to 1 Kings and read about the life of Elijah because it's, it's one miracle after another. It is. And actually, we did a three-part series on the life of Elijah uh, several years ago. And, and what it does is it opens up the idea that the greatness of Elijah was also plagued with loneliness and depression. He said, Lord, it's, you know, take, take my life. It's not worth it. He said that several times, but God kept him going. And see, the thing is, he was talking to the Father. He was connected, and he was doing the Father's will, and he was able to overcome those things. That's just one example. Folks, there are tons of examples in Scripture that we can just make our own if we decide that that's where we want to go for what we feed ourselves. You can choose what you're going to feed yourself. The Bible is full of inspiration. And, and, and Julie, you've already mentioned this, but here's a scripture that's going to help us understand it better. We only need to look for the inspiration. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, gives us an overview of the kind of inspiration available. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jonathan just read from Hebrews 12, but we've got a homework assignment for you on Hebrews chapter 11 in this week's CQ Rewind show notes. Get those show notes at christianquestions.com or on our app. Okay, and Hebrews 11 is a big chapter because Hebrews 11 gives us a list of many heroes of faith. You want to know who's on that list, and, and, and the homework assignment will develop that a little bit further. The point is, there is ample inspiration in scripture if you decide you want to find it. And if you're not good at reading through the scriptures, like Julie mentioned before, and, and, and finding the story, 
then look up on Christian Questions. Look up the, some of the stories that we, we've gone over about Peter or, 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 or Abraham or Ruth or Joseph or Elijah or Joshua or Naomi or Gideon or whomever, and listen to the story and follow along. Be inspired by going into real-life stories of Scripture. Pick a prophet, a servant of God, and latch on to them. The Bible is also full of promises, promised care, overruling, providence, and wisdom. Find all of that. It's available. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, again, gives us an overview of what's in Scripture. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So where do we find, Rick and Julie, these magnificent promises? Yeah. Well, our listeners might not be aware, but there's actually hundreds and hundreds of precious promises in the Bible, and they are a how-to lesson for real joy and unbreakable peace and clear guidance. And these promises help us fight our natural inclinations, such as loneliness and the temptations that are put in front of us by Satan to do us harm. So we have a free PDF booklet called Exceeding Great and Precious Promises that you can view or download at a very simple address. It's christianquestions.com slash promises. These promises can be claimed by faithful Christians who have devoted their lives to doing the will of God. And let me just add 2 Corinthians 7.1 from the Living Bible. Having such great promises as these, dear friends, let us turn away from everything wrong, whether of body or spirit, and purify ourselves, living in the wholesome fear of God, giving ourselves to him alone. So these promises are just powerful. We need to take advantage of them. So with these powerful promises, find those promises that speak to where you are in your life and claim them. Now, now let, let's understand that what we need to do as we go through this exercise is we need to focus on the desire to be faithful in our Christianity. You know, we may feel broken, we may feel lonely, but is my desire to serve God through Christ? Is it my desire to walk in Jesus' footsteps? Even if I am broken and lonely and miserable, but that's my desire, these promises are custom-made for you. And what you want to do is be able to hold on to them and say, Lord, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm lost, but this is what you said you would do to help me. Help me understand how you're helping me. By doing that, by claiming those promises, by having prayer, and by, by studying and finding things in Scripture that can help to inspire us, we can attack the loneliness in our lives, and we can begin to turn the tide. So as we wrap this piece up, Jonathan, do I choose to live with or leave my loneliness? What are the questions? How hard do I work at study and meditation? How focused am I on really making the scriptures personal to my life. Remember, we don't have to be Bible scholars to deeply appreciate scripture, but we do have to put in the effort. And I want to stress to you, folks, I just want to stress to you that you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Let us help you. Let, let, let the podcast, let Christian questions, let the videos, let the children's videos, CQ Kids videos, inspire you 
to look deeper into Scripture. That's one of the reasons that we believe God called us here, is to spread the hope of the gospel wherever there are listening ears. If you're lonely, take that loneliness and put yourself to work to reduce it in your life by focusing on something bigger, something greater, something scriptural. Think of the adventure we can have when we look into the Bible to find a hero to follow and to cheer on. So far, we have two approaches that we can do privately. What about approaches that affect others? Mm, Okay. Our first two approaches are personally accessible. They can be engaged in without others really knowing what our struggle is. This is an important way to start dissolving our loneliness, for it's summoning the courage to change that only God and our Lord Jesus will see. While this can bring confidence, it's only the beginning of freedom from loneliness. In other words, don't stop here. If you're, if you're doing well with prayer, great. If you're doing well with study and meditation and promises, wonderful. This is building positive momentum. Now, let's take those personal things and do something even bigger. Living or with or leaving our loneliness, Julie, what's our third approach? Uh, Approach is help someone else because we can choose to friend someone online, which is an act of simply connecting dots, or we can choose to go and actually befriend someone, which is an act of true engagement. It's easy to friend somebody. It's harder to befriend somebody. To friend someone is to acknowledge their display of the pieces of their life they choose for others to see. Okay, let me say that again. To friend someone is to acknowledge their display of the pieces of their life they choose for others to see. Loneliness builds upon this keyhole view of others' lives, and the result is your friending has just made you more lonely. Instead, let us seek to befriend someone, genuinely share some kind of real human interaction with them. This can come through finding a way to contribute to another's life, and that life may be in a time of need or a time of stress or a time of lack. Find someone you can serve. I like what you said about social media because that really contributes to loneliness. It's status-oriented a lot of the times, and people exaggerate how well they're doing. People end up feeling isolated and lonelier when they don't measure up to this perceived high standard. And so here's where the rest of us come in. If we're naturally more outgoing or if loneliness isn't our issue right now, we can look for those invisible people around us who could use some encouragement engage in the life of someone who needs engagement. And if you're in the lonely zone, it's so easy to just keep retreating. So when someone offers you a kind hand, you need to take it, even if it's scary and even if it's exhausting. Start by just being aware of what's around you. Apply kindness. Hold the door for someone. Uh, Make a nice comment. So goodness. This can also be something that the lonely person does to initiate conversation. You know, and, and this is hard. When you're lonely, it's hard to be the one to initiate anything. And so that's why we're suggesting go about it by not trying to necessarily connect with someone, but go about it by trying to serve someone. 
it, you're, it's, it's more basic. And it's something that gives that person something of great value, and by giving, you get something of great value. Jesus himself laid the groundwork for our giving. You just look at his life and you see the groundwork for giving, but it's summed up really well in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, sometimes when we're lonely, we kind of think, well, if only somebody would, if only, if only, if only. Jesus is saying it's more blessed to be the giver than the receiver. So the suggestion is find someone that you can simply serve. And it doesn't have to be big and dramatic, something small. There, and, and just find the need and try to fill it the best you can. And again, it doesn't have to be some, some kind of earth-shaking thing that's a headline. It can be a postscript. But as long as we do it, things can change. Build others up stimulate them toward love and good works. Here's a great scripture on that, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And Rick, this is the original theme scripture we introduced on June 12th, 1998 on our first talk radio program. Yeah, that's back a ways, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Neither one and of we're us. we're adding that photo of both of you in the studio back in 1998 at the CQ Rewind show notes. So everyone go to that so you can see what <laughs> these young pups looked like. Yeah, Jonathan, neither one of us had gray hair back then, remember? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. But you know, it, it, it says, consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, which means that's not just a natural thing. You have to work on it. You have to observe it. And you have to work at making it be a growth-oriented thing. If we're lonely or if we're not lonely, work at that. Build one another up. That's one of the secrets here. But again, we're not saying connect. We're saying help. That's what we're saying. Particularly, focus on those who have extreme needs. James one twenty seven is a great example of, of the kinds of extreme needs that are everywhere. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Okay, pure, undefiled religion. Visiting orphans and widows and keeping yourself undefiled and unstained by the world. Visiting those who are in a disadvantaged situation. Find a way to help them, to serve them. And again, it doesn't have to be dramatic. But by giving to them, things change. Things change in your head, things change in their head, and it ends up being a wonderful, wonderful experience. Find someone to serve. So Jonathan, wrapping up this approach number three, do I choose to live with or leave my loneliness? How hard do I work at befriending and supporting others? Remember, regardless of how I feel, others still need support. Why not help? So whether you feel like helping them or not, they still need the help. So let's decide. You know what? I don't feel like it, but the help, the, the gap is still there. Let me see what I can do. Even if I can't fill the whole gap, let me try something that will help us to cope with our own loneliness. So our third approach was help someone else. Living with or leaving loneliness, Julie, what's the fourth approach? Individual fellowship and co-laboring. 
So we can choose to accept being a lonely individual who feels like they have no options, or we can choose to have an individual fellowship with others whose lives are also focused on Christ. So again, it's all about making a choice. Do I choose, like you said, Julie, earlier, do I choose to feed my loneliness or do I choose to take the energy that would normally feed into my loneliness and feed it elsewhere? Can I choose to have individual fellowship with others whose lives are also focused on Christ? You know, here's the thing. Here's the issue that we all have. We like to appear impervious to the pains of life when we are around other people. When we would be better served, and this is a tough one, we'd be better served by a willingness to be vulnerable. This is expressed in the difference between small talk and real communication. With small talk, we paint a fantasy picture of ourselves for others to carry with them, depicting a calm and a together approach to our challenges. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, you know, Jonathan, life is good. Everything's awesome. When inside, I'm, I'm drowning, okay? You know, we, we paint this picture. Real communication. With real communication, we present our flaws and seek to be understood as well as to understand. And folks, here is an important question. To ask, hey, can I talk to you about something is a good way to open the door that skips the small talk and lets your friend know you need them to listen. It's simple. Hey, can I, can I talk to you about something? It changes the, the mood of what's happening. Well, ideally, we want a gentle spirit. We want to seek a spiritually-minded friend who will understand our Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you keep coming back to that gentle spirit. And, you know, there's great power in that gentle spirit when we are trying to cope with our own loneliness or we're trying to help someone else cope with theirs. So let's go back through this. We need prayer, okay? Prayer is the place to start. We need the study and meditation to help us to fill ourselves with something stronger. We need to be willing to serve others. And by doing those things, we can now be ready to actually engage in back and forth. And having that gentle spirit is critical in being able to engage in back and forth. Now, let's think about being lonely. In a sense, this approach to life is putting my feelings, my perceptions, my interpretations about life all ahead of everything else, of everybody else. Is this a good way to be humble? Think, think about that question. As we read through Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 13, we're going to start with verses 3 to 5. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Okay, so you've got a real sense of a community kind of thing going on here, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but instead have sound judgment because we're part of this body individually we are members of one another that gives you a sense for being able to connect one to another so the question we need to ask ourselves is do i take the thought of being members of one another seriously see because what this scripture is saying is my life is undeniably connected to yours 
The relationship between the body of Christ is a closer relationship than one of a natural family. The reason is because we have the same goals and vision of God's plan. We get support, encouragement, we pray, we study together, and we share our experiences and lessons. This is why it is important not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is stated in Hebrews 10, 25. So we need to take this seriously, and in terms of looking at uh, engaging in individual fellowship and co-laboring, we need to try to get to the point. Now, you don't start here. You get to the point of being able to connect. And to do that, I need to use what I'm given in, in, in terms of my Christianity, and I need to appreciate what others are given. And that's essentially what Romans 12, verses 6 through 9 are going to tell us next. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches, in his teaching, or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. So abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. You know, it seems to me that talking about loneliness in a capacity of sin, you know, being lonely in and of itself, I don't think is a sin because it's like an emotion, how we might feel angry, but the sin is to stay angry. So we don't want to dwell in loneliness because this could be Satan holding us back from growing in the Lord. You know, living in loneliness is dark. It's a dark place to live because it's all about us instead of it being all about Jesus and our brethren in Christ. So we've got to fight this natural inclination or else Satan will take advantage and our own ego might get in the way. And that seems twisted, right? That here loneliness because we're sad, but it really becomes, it could, it become, it could become an ego place to be because again, it's all about me, and that's not what it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, and, and you're right. We have to be really careful of that. And and folks, look, you know, let, let's pause here for a second because we're not saying that, well, okay, you feel lonely, get over yourself. That's not the message here. Right. The message here is we have this place that we sometimes get stuck, and there are four approaches that we've put on the table thus far to work our way up the ladder to come out of it because— to be able to serve God through Christ. If you are a Christian, you've answered the call, and you're following in Jesus' footsteps, you are obligated to do what Jesus would have you to do, just like I am obligated. Now, sometimes we're stuck and we can't, and, and, and it's beyond our reach. What do we do? We still have to strive. And even if you can only take a half a step, and then you take another half a step, and then you take, a, and then you take two steps backwards, but then you try and take a few steps forward— it, it, what matters is that you make the effort. What matters is that we decide that my ego is not bigger than my uh, contribution to the body of Christ here. Find a friend. Hey, you know, there's something I need to talk to you about. You know, just, just again, that sense of opening the door to be able to talk to somebody else. This is so important. Is my loneliness... A healthy product, this is Julie, this is what you were saying, is my loneliness a healthy product to cling to, or is it a result of something that should be put away? 
And again, we're going back to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Well, Rick and Julie, that reminds me of the scripture in Matthew 25, verse 40. As ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me, Jesus. So that kind of goes back to serving others, okay? And what we're saying is we get we get that service in place, and now let's get actual fellowship and co-laboring in place where we can actually engage with someone and have a back and forth. And, and again, you know, that sense of, hey, can I talk to you about something? Open the door for real, true Christian communication. And folks, if somebody asks you, hey, can I talk to you about something? You know what your, your, your appropriate response is? You look them in the eye, you drop whatever it is you're doing as best as you can and say, sure, what's on your mind? And then you be quiet. And then you just be quiet and you let them talk. Just be quiet and let them talk. So as we wrap this up, Jonathan, do I choose to live with or leave my loneliness? What are the questions? How hard do I work at seeking out trustworthy friends in Christ to grow alongside of? Remember, mutual confidence gives both individuals a deeper and more resilient strength. So when you find a friend to talk to, you're actually contributing to that friend, even if you're laying your difficulties upon them, because the mutual confidence is what builds strength. See, this is where things can actually get exciting. I can now positively influence others. I am useful in the hand of God. Now that we've broken the barrier of individual communication, what's our next leaving loneliness step? Next, we need to expand our horizons through prayer, study, and meditation, helping those in need and finding a good friend or two. We have set clear direction. We have put our loneliness on notice. Next, we want to avail ourselves of the great privilege of discipleship, which is engaging in the activity of being part of the body of Christ. So, uh, Jonathan and, and Julie, just before we get on to the next point, the fifth approach, I just want to just, just re-comment the idea of being useful in the hand of God. If you've been called of God, you've essentially put yourself into his hands. God doesn't keep anything in his hands that he doesn't have a use for. Allow yourself to be used by the Father through Jesus. It's such an important thing. Trust that you have value, yeah. or he wouldn't have called you. Absolutely. Absolutely, positively trust you have value, because it's God who decides who has the value, not us. So, Julie, living with or leaving our loneliness, what's our fifth approach? Fellowship with the body of Christ, because we can choose to live a lonely life of disconnection by observing our spiritual community while keeping our personal distance— or we can choose to learn to lean on our spiritual community by intentionally connecting with them. And I think being intentional is important because we aren't likely to accidentally connect with people when we're lonely. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, as a matter of fact, that's not going to happen. Oh, look what happened to me. I'm all connected here. How did that happen? <laughs> no, you, you have to choose. 
And here, here's the thing. In an age where our spiritual community can be a mere instant away, we often choose to observe them from our lonely perch. This is a way to pass time, to look somewhere else instead of looking inwardly. And look, while moments do pass by and we may feel a slight sense of relief, inevitably, this actually deepens our sense of loneliness in the long run. We're just hurting ourselves and we're not helping anyone else either. What we need to do is, like Julie said, purposefully connect with our spiritual community. Instead of observing them, and here's the tough spot, tough thing, let us invite them into the sanctity of our hearts and our minds. Let's appreciate their cause and their conviction in Christ and lean on their faith to help us rekindle our own. This is yeah, but, go ahead. but Rick, what if I'm not meeting with other Christians? What if I'm not going to church or I'm not comfortable with the church I'm in? I, I go to church on Sunday and I come home lonely. What did I just do? I, I fed my loneliness. And how do I find those that believe like I do? Okay, you asked a lot of questions right there. I know, you know that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there with these questions. Yeah, well, you're right, you're right. And, and, and here's the thing: what we need to do is assess why am I feeling lonely in the situation? Like in the church I'm in, am I lonely there because they're saying things that I really don't like because they prick my conscience and I should pay attention, but it makes me feel uncomfortable? Well, that's one thing. Are they preaching error? That's another thing. The point is you want to find the Christian community that can that is spiritually minded and can be uplifting. And that can be difficult. That can be hard to find because there I hate to say it, but there are a lot of people out there that that go to church but don't live Christianity. That's not going to uplift you, okay? So this is hard. Is there a really easy way to solve this? No, but let us help you with this. If you are in that situation, let us know and let us see what we can do to, to, to help you along the way to just be engaged with those who have faith and those who are looking to the conviction of Christ. It's hard, but unless you step out and ask, you're never going to find an answer. Okay, so that really, you know what all of this is? Our entire podcast, it's about making choices. Am I choosing to feed the loneliness or am I choosing to feed what God has given me? So... Look, let, let's talk about connectedness for the rest of the podcast. There is a remarkable connectedness in the way the Apostle Paul describes this body of Christ. And we started this segment by talking about it's a massive privilege to be part of this body of Christ. Listen to how Paul describes our connections. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. Let's do verses 12 and 13 first. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one Spirit. You see the remarkable connection. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, doesn't matter where you come from. You're a Christian, a true Christian, called of God through Christ. You are connected in an undeniable way. By definition, God's Spirit makes us all one body. However, by definition, being part of this one body means that we have very different roles to play. And let's take a look at this. And again, this is the Apostle Paul expanding his thinking on this. This is really valuable for us. 1 Corinthians 12, let's go to verses 14 through 17. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. 
It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? The body parts have different functions. Don't fool yourself into thinking everybody should be the same. Not at all. Does my loneliness allow me to embrace others' roles in this body? Do I embrace whatever my role might be in this body? And this is where I think we can help someone who's lonely. Uh, I can imagine that we can be the eye, <laughs> like actively looking for someone who needs more of a connection. And it's difficult because we're all caught up in our own stuff. And none of us seem to have any time to help others, but we're challenged to come out of our own comfort zone and help others in a God-honoring way. It makes me think of, um, remember we did that uh, podcast 1160, How Can I Persevere When Life Gets Tough, Part 2. And our friend Fred was talking about what it was like to lose his wife unexpectedly. And he was starting to really retreat emotionally and finally had to admit to his church group that he needed help. And his friend, Mark, he claimed, he claimed would help him go force him to go for walks and this simple act. It struck me that here it was years and years later. And that's what he recalls as helping him. Just a friend that came over and made him go on a walk outside. So things might seem inconsequential, but it can make all the difference to somebody who is struggling with not being seen. Yeah, and, and you know, with loneliness, we want to hide in the not being seen category, but it doesn't help us, it doesn't help anyone else, and it's not fulfilling the things that we're called to do as being part of a body. So allow those who are reaching out. You know, the body functions together, and for the arm to move, it requires all those muscles to be in, a, in coordination to get the job done. I mean, you think of the, the, the intensity that must happen when you take a screwdriver in your hand and you're, you're screwing in a screw. The idea is all of those things are working together. That's what we are supposed to be part of. We always need reminding this body is custom designed by God himself. That's what the next part of 1 Corinthians 12 says, God designed it the way he wanted it. And if you were called, that means you're part of it. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 to 21. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the feet, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So God put the members as it pleased him, custom made. Folks, if you are struggling with loneliness, and look, it's a real thing, and again, we are trying very hard to not make light of it, but to put it in the position of a choice. We can choose to do the things that can help us counteract it and help it to dissolve and, and help it to go away and be replaced by something bigger understanding the connectedness of the body of Christ is critical because one member is not more important than another. That's really a saying. Look, the, 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 the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Of course it needs it. 
Of course, the body needs the rest of the body. My propensity to feel unimportant might grab onto the idea of being a lesser body part. Like, okay, so I'm in the body, but I'm just probably that little tiny piece of the body that nobody would. I'm the spleen. Yeah, or the little. <laughs> Who knows what that does? Yeah, the, the little pinky toe or whatever. You know, I, I just. Well, here's the thing the Apostle Paul understood that. And Paul describes those parts as most valuable. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 22 to 25. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our body, um, whereas or whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So Rick and Julie, Paul is saying, you are just as important and valuable as I am. We can all contribute. Now, think about that. Just let that sink in. The Apostle Paul the guy who wrote half of the New Testament, the guy who brought Christianity to all of these different places, all of these different cities, the guy who was shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and left for dead and all of these things and was, was, was eventually beheaded, and he's saying, you are just as important as I am. doesn't matter how small a role you play. Why? Because you're begotten by the same Spirit and you are in the same body as I am. Therefore... The body can't function without all of its members. So if we are struggling with loneliness, folks, allow this to start to sink in, that the importance of each individual is critical for the whole health of the whole body. The bottom line is that being part of this wonderful body means fellowship in one another's trials and fellowship in one another's victories 1 Corinthians chapter 12, finally verse 26. And Julie, could you read that one? Sure. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So what we have is this verse that sums up this beautiful picture of connectedness. But I'm lonely but I feel disconnected, but I feel smaller, I feel unacceptable, I feel unimportant, I feel insecure, I feel all of these things. Okay, but if you are a Christian and you believe in the call of God through Christ, grab hold of all of these things. Look at prayer first and focus on letting God know. Look at study and meditation. Focus on feeding yourself the things that are necessary from Scripture so you can build strength. Look at serving someone else. It doesn't have to be anything huge, but help someone who's in need. Look at establishing one-to-one relationships. Hey, can I talk to you about something? Have that connectedness where you can be a part of someone else's life. And then look at the body and the beauty of being the tiniest little part that still plays a role. These are all the ways that we can look at and develop our call to walk away from loneliness. So Jonathan, let's wrap this up. Do I choose to live with or leave loneliness? 
How hard do I work at engaging in the give and take of the body of Christ? Do I accept and embrace it? Remember, the body is only successful in its mission if all the parts fulfill their individual responsibilities. How does the importance I have assigned to my loneliness stack up against the vitality of the body of Christ? This is an important question. I have given my loneliness a certain amount of value. Let's ask. Let's look in the mirror and ask, am I giving my loneliness a value that is as big or bigger than the vitality of the body of Christ? If I'm a Christian, what am I supposed to do with that? Folks, start with prayer. Work your way up. Start with the the things that are private and work your way up. And again, if you are in the situation where you have depression or anxiety or something like that, please get the right kind of help. It will help you to cope with and deal with loneliness. And when we as Christians deal with our loneliness and put it in perspective, glory is given to our Father, and we get to be a part of that. Loneliness is conquerable. Don't ever ever give in to the idea that I feel it so much it's overwhelming. Give in to the idea that I can focus myself on those things that are higher. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our podcast is subscribing to Christian Questions in your favorite podcast channel, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, Did God Make Heaven and Hell Humanity's Destiny? Part 1. That's a juicy one. Talk to you next week. <laughs>